Vincent Sabonis, two-man game inside. Thomas, dominant, dynamite inside on that one. Not afraid, and he got some dog in. And the steal, they can tie it with a three. Murray, yes! A Murray miracle in the desert! Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez, and today we got Chris Watkins joining the show of Sacktown Sports 1140, host of King's Weekly. What's going on, Chris? How you doing, bro? I'm doing good, man. I, I've, uh, I, I am a uh, frequent King's, uh, King's Beat uh, listener as well. And I know that they've been joking about how you've been uh, looking like you're in a bunker, like trapped in a bunker as you've been uh, relocating. And I would just like to announce for those watching us on YouTube, uh, I have replaced Brendan in said bunker. So I will now be uh, taking hostage in this bunker for the uh, foreseeable future. Yeah, it's actually a bunker that the media But besides that, I'm doing great. Yeah, we, we kind of put different media members in, in timeout and they have to spend yeah. time in, in these bunkers. So... I just yeah. got out. I, I did my sentence, did my time, and mm-hmm. and got out. And yeah, Chris had a little slip up at, at last game. He was wearing a Kings logo, and and that wasn't that was <laughs> that was enough. That was enough. He, he was out of there. Relegated to the bunker. Uh, <laughs> I am guilty. I I would say I am guilty. Uh, yeah, no comment. <laughs> but <laughs> let's let's just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, we'll leave it there. So the the Sacramento Kings are obviously rolling right now. Uh, they've won their last yeah. five games. They've won eight of their last ten after starting zero of four. They're killing it. Um, they are the second uh, best offensive rating in the league right now. Stat Muse actually has this, and shout out Omer Khan uh, on Kings Herald for finding this. Actually, third all time. In offensive rating right now, which is fucking insane. First is Boston this year. Second right. is 2020-21 Brooklyn, which we're talking about, unless I have this wrong, but I'm pretty damn sure. We're talking about Kyrie Irving, um, Kevin Durant, and James Harden, three of the best offense mm-hmm. players of all time. And the Kings offense is like right there. They're they're ridiculous. I, I know you tweeted out some numbers earlier today. Like what it, what is standing out to you with what's working with this Kings offense? I mean, it's really just, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it later, but just how sustainable it feels with the, it's not just like one or two things that they're really doing well. It's a collection of things that they're doing well. And it's all pointing towards uh, the, the numbers are matching up with the eye test, I think is the big thing. It's like, you look at uh, number two in point uh, two point uh, shot percentage. Like that's a testament to we're seeing De'Aaron Fox be incredible at the rim. Demonis Sabonis is finally found his touch again, it seems, uh, after starting the season slow at the rim. Uh, and then, you know, just their points per game, offensive uh, efficiency. Every single one of their numbers are in the top five, top ten uh, in the league. And it's uh I mean, you know, it's like I said, it's just a lot of different elements for this offense are clicking all at once. Absolutely. To go to go through some of those, um, you mentioned second in or first in two point percentage that also has them first in effective field goal percentage because they're seventh in three point attempts per game at thirty five point three and sixth in three point percentage at thirty eight point two. I know they said the beginning of the year. Um, after preseason wrapped up that they wanted to hit 43s a game. 
um, not make 43s, but attempt 43s a game. Obviously, they're at that 35. Um, there's been a couple games where it looks like teams try to run them off the line and take away that three-point shot. Like I think that's what we saw San Antonio try to do. Kings only got up eight threes in that second half, and they still find a way to win because, like you mentioned, the finishing at the rim is so good. I, I think that uh, Malik Monk is the other one that stands out to me that's been ridiculous at finishing around the rim, like super creative. Obviously, he's got stupid bounce, and just like Darren, like will finish through contact on the way down after like contorting his body in just the wildest ways. Um, but they're eighth and pace. He has like at least one crazy finish per game. At least. Malik. At like, least. I mean, it, it's like where like you're saying like he's contorting his body in the air doing something crazy but then the thing is it's not even like he's you know doing like windmill you know scoop layups behind his head or anything like he'll double clutch and then just end at a normal looking layup like the dude's athleticism is is out of control Malik's been going crazy I don't have the exact number in front of me uh but it was like hot mid to high 20s that he had yesterday. I think my hot question uh, in preseason that I threw around to media members was who's going to be third in scoring on this team right. after Fox and Sabonis. And kind of as expected, like it's anybody on any given night. Like HB's played solid. Uh, hashtag not washed, by the way. Um, <laughs> Malik has his days. Herder is ridiculous right now. 7.1 three-point attempts per game on 51%. And that's two different games. San Antonio game, I think he only hit one. Um, if I'm remembering that correctly, I think the Golden State game, uh, I th- believe it was the, f- I don't remember if it was the first or second Golden State game. It was one of their road games. He also only hit one triple. Like he's had a couple quiet nights and he's still sitting at 51%. All of their top six guys in three point percentage or three point attempts are shooting above 35%. And actually, five of them are above 37%. Trey Lyles is the one. Uh, at 35, like Herder, 7.1 three-point attempts per game, 51%. Keegan Murray, six attempts per game, 37.5%. Malik Monk, 5.5 per game on 37.7%. Fox, 4.9 on 37.5. Lyles, 4.3 on 35.3. TD is Terrence Davis, uh, 3.8 on 40.8%. And we didn't even mention H- HB is not even part of that. Like right now, HB sitting at 25% yeah. on 3.4 a game. And like that is one of the lowest concerns I could ever have about HB is his shooting. That guy is going to be a 35 to 40% three point shooter uh, this year. That's going to come around. And like none of these numbers feel ridiculous. Like the Kevin Herter 51% is obviously insane and that's going to come back down. But I think he's a 40% three point shooter. We've seen that throughout the course of his career. Like Fox is the one that stands out here, but he's been ridiculous in the mid range starting at the end of last year. And that's carried over and, He's put a ridiculous amount of work into his jumper specifically with assistant coach Luke Laux. So like I'm optimistic with the confidence and just quickness that, that he's taken those shots that he's an improved three point shooter. We'll see if it's still around 37, but like the three point shooting on this roster feels like it could stay this way. I mean, 44% of their shots are threes, 89.7% of their made threes are assisted almost 90% which is ridiculous. It's the third highest rate in the league. Um, And they have the fourth most wide open threes per game at at 21 of their, uh, what was it? 35 threes are considered wide open on NBA tracking stats, which I think is a defender uh, no closer than six feet. Mm -hmm. They're knocking down 40% of those. They're fourth in assists. 
They're ninth in free throw attempts, 11th in points in the paint, fifth in passes per game. Like the offensive ball movement is ridiculous. Like I, I know we talked at the beginning, like second in offensive rating, third highest all time. Like I'd imagine that comes back down a little bit, but like, do you think this team could stay in the top five all year? Yeah, I, I mean, it feels like it at the moment. Like when I think of, I went to the San Antonio game the other day as a fan, you know, it was, it felt like they were playing poorly for about two and a half, three quarters there and then really turned it on. And they still ended up at 120 plus points. And that to me is like the sign of this team is just absurd offensively on a night where it really felt like it wasn't, you know, the offense wasn't flowing in the same way that it had been uh, in, in the games leading up to it. And it definitely felt like that was more of, uh, you know, they they kind of just won off of, I mean, as crazy as this is to say, but they won off of culture, the culture that they've installed so far this season. Like they were able to fall back on a night where they didn't have it and just kind of revert to natural instinct. And they ended up putting, I think it was what, 56%? from the field uh, against San Antonio, 40% from three, 90% from the line. Like that, those are absurd numbers on a night where at least I test wise, and I don't know if you disagree with me, but to me, it didn't feel like they had it against San Antonio and, and they still pulled out those kind of numbers. Oh, I, I totally agree with you. And, and coach Brown agrees with you too. Like Trey Lyles mm -hmm. came out to, to media and was saying that coach was, was talking about how he didn't even feel like they had that good of an offensive game which is ridiculous for those numbers. And I think that's just like your exact point. Like they were pretty sloppy. The second and third quarter were really sloppy for the Kings. Like it felt like, I mean, San Antonio, I think came in as the second worst defense. So putting up 130 makes, makes sense. But like it, it weirdly felt like they could have done even more. And in these five games that they've all won in a row now, they've dropped 120 plus every single night. That includes 130 against San Antonio, 153 over the Brooklyn Nets oh my on national TV, which was just a stomp and seems to have broken the Brooklyn Nets. Um, they already had their fair share of issues, but I think they came in actually playing pretty solid defense and the Kings just totally lit them up. Um, my question is how far can your offense alone carry you because I guess maybe we should start with like their defense real quick, because I asked this question because they haven't been good on defense. They've been 26th in defensive rating right now. Right. And I think there's reasons to think that they will be better in time. Like they're taking care of, of little things. I, I think there's things that Mike Brown has highlighted, like their transition defense was really, really bad in preseason and in those four first, those first four games that they lost in a row, but I think they picked it up since they allow the second fewest opposing fast break points per game, and also the second fewest um, opponent second chance points per game, which is a, also a product of the lowest offensive rebounds per game. That has to do with also giving up a really high field goal percentage. There's not as many offensive rebounds available right. to opposing teams, but they're closing out possessions when they are able to get a stop. Um, they're, I, I think winning the possession game is something we've heard Mike talk, coach Brown talk about a lot. Um, and while the Kings are seventh in three point attempts, they're allowing the second least amount of threes. 
And I think just that margin is going to play in your favor more often than not on a nightly basis. They're not giving up that many free throws per game as of late. That was something they were horrible about early in the year. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I, and they're allowing the least wide open threes per game by a pretty decent margin. It's 10.6 that the Kings are allowing. Second is Dallas with 13.7. That's more than a three shot mm-hmm. difference from beyond the arc on wide open threes. Like they're not allowing that. And opponents are converting at the second best rate. It's 43% there. Like when you see a team that um, opponents are shooting great on wide open threes, like at that, that makes sense. But at some point that number is going to, come back down to earth a little like they obviously don't have a great defensive talent but when you look at what we've seen from Sacramento on the defensive end what do you think can be done if anything for them to become like just honestly like even a mediocre defense right I think it comes down to figuring out the rim protection to me that's the biggest thing and it might just be, I think uh, I was just listening to the Zach Lowe podcast where uh, he had Matt Barnes on and they talked about the Kings for a minute and they did talk about uh, the Kings defense and this exact topic of of how good can you be when your defense, you know, is, is there positive signs from the Kings defense? And as I don't know if it's cliche, but it's it's I kind of just trust that Mike Brown is not going to allow that to happen. I mean, the amount of teaching that he's doing uh, on, you know, a, a play by play basis, it feels like he's not going to allow this team to slip to a bottom tier defense in this league. And like I said earlier, I mean, the rim protection is the thing that is might just be baked into this team's weakness. Teams are shooting pretty well from three against the Kings. And, um, you know, they're they're just shooting well in general against the Kings. That kind of thing is is you would hope going to level out throughout the season. But um, I think it it's you know it it's it's promising that they they uh they're ending possessions well they're first i believe in opponent um opponent defensive uh or i'm sorry offensive rebounds at 8.8 uh, 8 rebounds a game so they're ending possessions right there and making sure that teams don't get second chance uh points and that's huge for for just stopping possessions and not allowing uh second chance points and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, again, like I said, Mike Brown's just not going to allow this team to to be bad on defense. I don't know if that's if that's just me buying into the Mike Brown juice. But again, the amount of times that we've seen him call timeouts on things that he doesn't like, um, you know, it, it's it speaks volume to how much he cares on that end. He definitely is not going to be OK with them being shit on defense like we've seen in years prior, like. Mike Brown comes in and we all know he's a defensive oriented coach. Um, And and then ironically, like this offense feels very golden state to me. Um, Do do you feel that by the way? Am I crazy for that? I absolutely do it. And I think they've pointed at it a couple of times, but um, absolutely. I mean, just with the amount of shooting that they have on this team, it, it, and you know, the amount of connective tissue that Mike Brown and the organization has to golden state. I think that this has always kind of been the direction that they've been hoping to go. Totally. And, and Jay Triano is the offensive coordinator. I think Sean on, uh, I just did an episode of the Kings beat hasn't gone up quite yet, but Sean was saying that like Jay Triano is not getting enough credit here. I think that's a great point because Jay Triano is the offensive coordinator of this team and, and they're totally, they're totally rolling. He's got a great experience. Like the whole coaching staff, like it, it's a really, 
well put together coaching staff in my mind. And obviously I don't have great perspective on that. It's not like I've covered other coaching staffs um, prior to just last year's, which was a total mess, but they they seem like they're all on the same page. And obviously the offense is totally clicking. So shout out not only Mike Brown, but, but Jay Triano when it comes to that. Um, But if I think that Deuce and Mo put out the number that, I want to say they were, it's something in the high teens. I want to say 19, but I could be off a tiny bit on that in, in defensive rating in the last 10 games. And that just settling into that sort of range where you're not bottom 10, I think would be huge for this Kings team. Cause like to go back to the question of like, how far can a top five offense carry you? I think of that Atlanta team uh, last year who ended up second in offensive rating, but they were 26th in defensive rating. They finished ninth in the East and were in play-ins and then lost in the first round to the Miami Heat. And it wasn't particularly close, you know, like you can't be all offense. I, I think that it is totally fine for what the Sacramento Kings goal is this season, um, which is just to make the playoffs. I think that it is totally a recipe for success for the regular season. When you start to, get scouted a little bit more and especially when you're when you're talking a playoff series or people preparing for a play-in game or things like that like I think this defense is going to really come around to bite you in the ass so it really needs to be cleaned up like Herder hasn't been as good as I expected I think he's been a lot better recently um, but he but he definitely had some moments I want to say that Miami game where Tyler Hero hit the the questionable game winner that everybody is uh, talking about being a travel um, I, I think that Herder, or I'm sorry, Hero said post game that he wanted a certain switch, but the guy wasn't on the floor. <laughs> and I hope I'm not wrong on this. I really should double check, but I'm pretty confident that Herder's the guy he was talking about that didn't end up on the floor because he was originally covered by Davion and they ended up getting TD on a switch. Um, when the Kings played Golden State, Steph Curry, Herder was guarding Draymond Green and Curry is pointing at Draymond. You'll bring that guy over here. That's who I want to ISO. Um, there's just work that needs to be done, and but I think that we have seen progress. Um, where where are you at with that? It, like, first of all, do you agree that this is like recipe for success regular season? But when you start to become a, a more serious team, that you just kind of can't be horrible on defense. And if you are, like, how far can that carry you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely not sustainable at all. I mean, in, in especially in playoff basketball where every single possession matters, when it comes down to the end of the games, and, you know, I think it's good offensively that the Kings have started to figure this out, but defensively, you have to make stops. It's literally the only way you're going to win the game. If, you're, if you can't make stops, especially in the postseason, when, like you said, you're being game-planned against, it's you're playing a team four straight times minimum, you know every single thing that they're trying to do, if you can't stop them, you're not going to win anything, let alone one series. Um, so like you said, I mean, I think the goal for this team is to make the play in, make the playoffs and whatever happens there, I think is kind of gravy. If they get a win, if they win a series, it's, it's all, it's all gravy from that point, but you're not going to, you're not going to be able, unless you're going against a similar team where they're also only good offensively and, or or vice versa, a team that, you know, I can't, there's not really a team in the West right now that's only good defensively, but um, 
you know, you're, you're going to run if you go against the Golden State, how Golden State's playing right now, though, they're not in the playoffs uh, or, you know, in a position to play the Kings in the playoffs right now. That's a kind of situation where maybe it wouldn't matter as much. But, yeah, I mean, you, you at the end of the day, especially with an experienced playoff team, which the Kings are absolutely not, you have to make stops in the playoffs. Absolutely. And it might sound like I'm we're nitpicking um, because the Kings are playing <laughs> phenomenal basketball right now. But right. I, I think that the only reason that that I'm kind of like on that is because I, I'm really starting to question, like, should we be reconsidering how good this team is? Like, mm-hmm. I, I came in thinking 38 wins. And I think if I got asked the ceiling of the team, it was like probably just being a eight seed you know mm-hmm. and I, I think at one point someone asked me like could they be a six seed i think it was matt george and i'm like i i guess like absolute absolute ceiling but that still feels super unlikely like that feels like a realistic ceiling to me now like i'm not again ceiling everything would have to click but like how much has this stretch and you know it's it's 14 games but like for the reasons we laid out earlier, this feels sustainable. Like I, I'm really believing, but how much has this run like changed your impression of how good this team could be? Yeah, I have the same exact question prepped for Frankie tomorrow on my show. I mean, I, it, I, to me, this is the thing that I'm most intrigued with. And as I'm prepping for, for my show that I'm doing tomorrow, I'm looking ahead to the week that's going to be. And it told me that I'm still incredibly dubious of the ceiling of this team. I mean, as as this week, they're going at Memphis, at Atlanta, at Boston. It feels like it would be a stretch to hope for them to win two of those games, you know. And so that just tells me that when I really think about this team against some of the top tier in this league, I just I don't think that they're there yet. Um you know, and that doesn't necessarily mean to what you were saying that they can't be a six seed. But I think it also tells me that I think that this team is probably closer to a 500, maybe a little bit over team. Um, And that is, of course, considering health. I think at this moment, the Kings have been incredibly knock on wood. They've been pretty lucky with with their injury management. Um, You know, they haven't had to deal with Kawhi Leonard being out and stuff like you know there there's teams that have had to deal with injuries already Giannis has missed a couple games this year um but I you know I, it's tough I what, I mean the, 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 the Vegas over under was 33 and a half <laughs> I think we can all agree. I think we can all agree that they're going to clear that very very easily um I think a lot of people like you were at the 36 to 38 win point would be reasonable and yeah a seven eight seed would be uh would be probably the peak that this team can go i still don't really know if i've if i've shaken off that yet like i said unless injuries start to happen here because you look at portland they're better than expected utah they're better than expected okc is right on our heels right now who knows if they fall off um dallas is is a team that you know is kind of going either way um you know, I keep saying this, but they're one Luca injury away from probably being one of the worst teams in the West. So, um, you know, it's it's there's still so much season to go. I don't even know if you can really properly even assess how good they can be. Yeah. What what would need to happen for you to like fully believe? 
I mean, the defense for sure. The defense, you know, taking taking a step up would, would absolutely do that. I just don't know to our pre- previous conversation. I don't know if that could happen. Um, maybe if Harrison starts to get going and Keegan, I think that would probably be it. I think if Keegan starts to find some consistency, get near, you know, 14 to 16 points a game every night, up that shooting, that three-point shooting percentage to a little bit closer to 40% from three and start to be the guy that we saw in the first stretch of the season, at least on an excitement level, that's kind of, it, it. it's more about adding a variable that I wasn't considering before the preseason prediction, I guess. And, and Keegan being that level already would be something unanticipated. Yeah, it makes sense for sure. I mean, like Keegan has just looked like a rookie recently. And right. there's a lot of things going on. Like, obviously, there's all the off-court stuff going on with his family um, and, and hope everything goes goes smooth with that. He's just getting used to playing in the NBA. Um, that road trip was the first time he's dealt with anything like that when it comes to playing basketball from, from my understanding. So I think it's just like typical r- rookie adjustment stuff, even though he's probably the most NBA-ready rookie um, right up there. But it's just kind of typical adjustment stuff. And I, I think to like the Kings, what is what is their best win? You know, the, the teams they've been beating, San Antonio, you're supposed to beat, right? The Lakers, you're supposed to beat. Orlando, you're supposed to beat. Charlotte, you're supposed to beat. Um, which still credit to them. Like, how often were the Kings supposed to beat teams last year, years prior, and then they'd come out and shit the bed? So like credit to that i'm not i'm not trying to overlook it or anything but then like miami that's that's a big win but miami's not playing as well as as people maybe thought they would right the golden state game big win but same thing right um yeah and you drop two you you only won one of the three the cleveland game uh cleveland came in eight and two i would say that's their best win that's probably is right and but even cleveland has really slowed down afterwards um that that cleveland game is probably big the brooklyn game i I thought was really big too but you you think the the cleveland one probably yeah i mean just in terms of expectation going into the game how that game played out how they won that game and i still think cleveland regardless of this little streak that they're going on here i think that they're one of the best teams in the east i came into that brooklyn game feeling like they should have done that uh because of brooklyn's talent brooklyn was not a good team um, but I think, again, proving proving that the Kings are better than them by beating them in the fashion that they did um, was a good sign nonetheless. I mean, it, to me, the Brooklyn game was was just as important as the San Antonio game to me. Like the fact that in San Antonio they played poorly, still managed to put up the performance they did is just as impressive to me as the absolute beatdown that they put on Brooklyn because – um, you know, the Kings, it's crazy to say, and maybe it's just because we haven't felt this in so long, but the Kings are better than these teams and they should be beating teams like that on a semi-routine basis if they're worse than them, you know, and, and, uh, you know, that's just kind of the thing that normally happens in the NBA when you're better than a team, you beat them by X amount of points as you know, uh, I was just looking the Kings last year lost to the Boston Celtics by a combined 82 Ugh. points last year, 53 and 29. 
which was a heartbreaker for me as everybody knowing me as a Celtics fan growing up, by the way, I got so much. It, that was, <laughs> that was right. so bad. You were like, you fucked up, bro. What, yeah. why, why did you switch? And that the one in Boston where I think they got smacked by like, 50 that was the 53. That was the, was the one that Tyrese came yes. out after and had the, I'm not going to let the culture of the Sacramento Kings infect right. me Define or, me. or right. whatever. Yeah. Right. right. Uh, God, come so far already <laughs> feels like um, so long ago when it comes to fox and sabonis who are the clear like one two on this team and everything runs through like it feels like that coach brown is staggering those guys a lot he talked pregame about playing fox in six minute bursts um and i haven't dove into it yet it feels like that's kind of what he's doing with most of these guys and, and kind of similar with with sabonis um, but when it comes to those two stars of the team, like how have they impressed you? And is there like anything more that you want from them? Or is this like, is there, can you even want anything more? Yeah, I think I was actually just thinking about this. Um, the thing that I've liked the most is from De'Aaron, especially is just his individual performance, his, the, the way he's attacking the rim, his performance at the rim, uh, just how his his improvement from three, all of that, you know, all the obvious stuff is is huge for De'Aaron Domas. The thing that I've loved to see is is the fact that he's weaponizing his playmaking. That one two game, the two man game that he has with Herder um, is something that is an extension of his offense as well. So that's um, that's great to see. But the thing that I would like to see from both of them is actually use the same way that the 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 uh, herder sabonis uh two man game is weaponized you really haven't seen too much of fox sabonis pick and roll and that's to me the thing that i think could send this offense to another level you know we see some of it and i think it's done pretty well but it definitely has not um stuck out or seemed to me like it's been anything special and those are your two best players and if you can get them playing off of each other and and really, you know, especially having that as another weapon you can use down the stretch. I think that unlocks another huge element for this offense. I don't know if you agree with that or not. No, I definitely see it. Like, I mean, I I think that there's times that within the flow of their offense, they kind of naturally fall into a little bit of a two man game with those guys. But I think that that's something to me that like it's playoff basketball is when you're going to kind of like be forced into that. Right. Like, right. When everything, when all the shit breaks down and it's just ends up being ball, you know? Right. And and like, this is what we saw with Memphis last year, right? Like Memphis was really good without John Morant, but they were always going to need John Morant for the playoffs when basketball became a lot more like you just need to be able to go out there and and get buckets against defenses that are taking away um, your main schemes. And so I, I think that, they can't, I, I don't even know that like I, I think that they could run a pick and roll if they just ran a base. I don't even know that they would do this, but if they just ran a basic pick and roll with three other guys spaced out right. um, from the top of key with Fox and Domas final possession of a game like I'm feeling pretty good. Right, right. Absolutely. I mean, and that's that's what hopefully this team is built for you know is to run that pick and roll have both of those two crash lanes hopefully somebody else collapses and that they can either kick it to each other kick it out to the perimeter and have somebody way out there creating space uh and knocking it down um that's the most ideal version of this king's team 
I just don't think we have seen that specific instance yet, but you know, that's, I mean, like you said, that, that is playoff basketball to a T, but I mean, to Monty McNair's credit, I do think that there is more than enough um, plug and play place players on this roster that you could have that ideal situation with. Totally. Totally. And you know, there's, other ways that the team can get better than just like cleaning up the defense. Um, but how much do you feel like there's potential and obviously there's potential trades and, and getting people through the draft and things right. like that. But like how much internal improvement space do you feel like this team has? Like De'Aaron's 24 right. about a month away from 25 herders, 24 Sabonis mm-hmm. is 26 um, Keegan Murray, 22 Malik Monk is 24. And Terrence Davis is 25. Like I have uh Davion Mitchell's 24. Like, do you think that there's maybe just a way you look at this team and are like, well, in time, they're just, these guys are just going to get better. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess their physical peak you would assume is like around 28 to 32. Um, and they have none of those guys, none of their core guys reaching that age. It's, I mean, frankly, we don't, we can't, we don't have the luxury of looking that far ahead because Demonis Sabonis is under contract for this season and next, and they need to prove to him in that time span that that this team is uh, something promising enough for him to re-sign with. And this has been a, a fun little fourteen game stretch that we've had here, but it's not enough to to prove to him why he should stay. So, you know, in theory, sure. I mean, if they could keep. De'Aaron Fox, who's already locked up, if they can lock up Demonis Sabonis, they have Keegan Murray under control for a few more years. Davion Mitchell, they still have under control, but we'll see what they end up doing with that. They have all of these guys. I believe Malik has this and next year as well, correct? Uh, you know, Herter is locked down for another three years. They have enough uh, length of contract on all of these guys to, to feel that way. It's just you need to get Sabonis locked down. So, you know, assuming that that happens, sure. I just haven't quite let myself get that far. Um, and I think a huge piece of this will be uh, kind of to, to to weirdly parallel the Kings, the current Kings and the former Golden State Warriors. It depends what they do with the Harrison Barnes situation uh, <laughs> because they definitely need to, they can't get, uh, I'm not saying, you know, value wise, like if they lose Harrison, they need to get something in return, but they can't just lose Harrison Barnes and, you know, try and internally fill that role. They need to go out and get somebody who's going to, you know, kind of be a more a, a more productive version of Harrison Barnes, um, at especially at such an important position like that small forward position. Uh, I, I'm not a huge believer in Keegan Murray. I, I, you know, actually, I shouldn't say that because I have started to convince myself more and more that Keegan could do that. I think in a more idealized situation would be uh, two guys who are like Keegan Murray's size, um, who are both, you know, very versatile, very switchable, uh, and that can kind of, you know, play play off of each other. But uh, yeah, they need somebody to replace Harrison Barnes. I don't know if that is just a very long-winded answer of a way of answering your question. No, totally. I, I mean, I think that the HB thing is is interesting, right? And I've been kind of surprised by the amount of people talking about trades ide- trade ideas recently. Um, it it's, feels like way too early in the season for this, but it's like definitely a little early. Yeah, it, it's a little early, but it, it, I guess it's to be expected when we've been talking about HB and Rashawn trades for like what feels like two years now. 
And Rashawn yes. is obviously the the obvious candidate since he's just totally out of this rotation. Which, by the way, I, I do want to take a sec. I've been really critical of of Davion Mitchell and Shmezi Metu. Yeah, they're playing really. You and well. I, you and I both, brother. Yes, <laughs> but they are playing really well. Uh, coach came out post game yesterday and talked about how Davion changed that game for them. And, and Malik said the same thing. Yeah, end of the third, beginning of the fourth. Um, you mentioned it like it, it was sloppy, man. They, the, for a second, it was like, God damn, are the Kings possibly going to blow this game to the Spurs right now after that 150 point performance? Um, but Davion Mitchell came out and just pested the ball handlers, man. I think it was like Jeremy Sohan. It's Devin Vassell, Vassell, Bro, I think it is. I know Davion and Sohan played together at Baylor. Oh, they did. Davion knew something. Bro, he was in his ass all night long. He like it was something personal. They for sure used to go at it all the time or Davion would watch him and be like, this boy is weak because Davion like I mean, Sohan was what? Six, seven, six, eight. Uh, Davion is all of six foot. Um, and he it did not matter. Davion would completely shut him down every time that he was on him. Uh, and also, I don't mean to be too corny, but like shout out Kings fans who recognize Davion's incredible lock the locking down of Trey Jones. Uh, mid, I think it was mid or it might have even been late third quarter uh, and really, really like we're cheering for him as he was just applying ball pressure at the at the half court line uh, and really, I think, created momentum out of nothing. Uh, and I don't even think he got the steal or got the stop or anything. It was just a really hard nosed defensive uh, effort. From Davion. He, he did draw three offensive fouls. I think they were. Uh, there might have been one charge and two moving screens or something charge, like yeah. that, but it's some yeah. combination of that. Um, he drew three of them. Three of them. If he can, he's been playing more with Fox recently mm-hmm. um, because beginning of the year it was like Davion, you're getting the 15 minutes that De'Aaron does not play, and then we'll we'll throw you out there sometimes for like a Casey Akpala type treatment where we're going to throw you out there for a defensive possession yes. um, before this quarter ends, which is. By the way, wild. I think Kenny talked about yeah. this on, on D'Lo and KC. Like, I think that's who it was. It might have been you. I'm second guessing myself. Um, it's this is a great point. wild a great point. to throw KZ out there for 12 seconds a game. Like, yeah, it, it's. I mean, is it better than not playing? Like, from a player's perspective, it all depends how KZ handles this, right? right? But like, it, I mean, I'm not complaining. It makes yeah. sense, but from a player's it, perspective, I'd probably be in my feelings a little bit. Right. It, there's a it all this argument or debate honestly stems from from baseball. It's like in playoff baseball, they they just installed a rule where they you can no longer do this. But um, for a long time, like Bruce Bochy actually became uh, made this really popular of just bringing in relief pitchers for one batter. And it's like you literally get to face one batter and then you're pulled and then another guy comes in and it's like, okay, like for sure. But that just seems like you might be over strategizing and like how ready is somebody to just face one batter or like, you know, to change this back to basketball. Like if you're going to bring him for 12 seconds uh, after not playing the entire first quarter or first half even how ready is he to just kind of hop? Is he really the best option to just cold throw out there for 12 seconds and get ISO, you know, I mean, Casey's not getting ISOed, but in theory, you know, if, if he were to just come out cold and then get cooked, you kind of look dumb. Right. 
but it, it's been working. I, I think right. it makes sense for sure. I, I just think from a player's perspective, it all depends how KZ is is when it comes to that. But like I said, right. I, I think I could, I, I might be guilty of in that scenario being in my feelings a little bit. But it's clearly working. <laughs> uh, um, this is personal. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, to bring it back to Davion, Davion's been playing great. He's been playing more alongside Fox, and um, it's funny. I think I tweeted yesterday like Davion is obviously does what he does on defense but sometimes he just totally disrupts the flow of their offense and dribbles too much and that was one thing that uh coach said that they he felt like they didn't do great on offense last night against the Spurs was maybe just dribbling it too much and I I think that Davion is like the prime culprit of that in my mind um but if his shot can continue to go down which I think he's hit at a decent rate so far this year 33 percent um he's not a great three-point shooter but if that can continue to improve and he can he can get a better feel for how this offense uh ideally functions and i think the second unit just primarily run it through malik um then i I think that we could see more minutes that davion plays alongside fox as this year goes on and and then the other guy um and and by the way like I, i i love Davion's defense there's nothing like watching a guy just totally lock someone up and, and I love like like you said the crowd getting into it like that's one of the things that hypes up the crowd the most it feels like and that's amazing um, and one of the other things that does it is is catching lobs and that's what Messi's doing right non-stop this year like I think you mentioned Malik you get one crazy finish Messi's playing 15 minutes a night only the back only the minutes that Sabonis does not play and they switch everything on defense and we can put Mezzi out there because we can switch everything on defense. He's still not good on defense. Like just to be blunt, he's not, he's not good on defense, but you're just surviving those 15 minutes. He is really good on offense as backup five. And that's because he's not taking there. There were games last year. I remember at the end of a first quarter, we'd look at the box score and I'd be like, dude, Chemezi Metsu has more <laughs> shot attempts than I think like everybody else on his team combined right now. Like, I'm like, why does Chemezi Metu have seven shot attempts at the end of the first quarter? What are we doing? And Mike Brown seems to have figured out the ideal role for Messi. Messi was playing like the three, the four last year. He's in there at the backup five and helping move the ball on offense. And he's a vertical threat. He, he's the only vertical threat on the team with Rashawn yeah. Holmes kind of being MIA. Um, and I think my favorite stat I found, he's attempted 12 threes through the 10 games he's played this year. And he has 14 dunks. Like that is a recipe for success for Mezzi. And as much as I've been critical of him, he had a very, very weird presser at the beginning of this year during (laughs) their, uh, I don't even know how much this was really talked about that much, but he had a very, very weird presser where he seemed unhappy with his role and felt like when, you know, when, when he's playing that he's playing well and felt like he deserved more minutes. Um, Well, he thought it was preseason. I, I think it was during I because think I was, believe that we had a conversation losses. of does this mean that he could be cut? Maybe uh, I, I think I it think that it was during those first four games, okay. um, but it, it looked a, a little worrisome, to be honest. But right. Mezzi has settled into his role, which is credit to Mezzi and credit to Mike Brown. And I just I just want to make sure to shout out those two guys, because I, I've been super critical of them definitely the most critical of those two guys more than anybody else, but they're playing really well um, and important roles on this team, backing up the two stars. Uh, have you also, I, I think you share a lot of the same yes. uh, skepticism. You and I share a mind, and an exact same mind on, on that. Yeah. But, but 
they're playing well, right? Absolutely. I mean, and they're just starring in their roles. And I, you know, I don't mean to throw a jab when we're when we're complimenting them, but I do think it has something to do with the limited role that they're in. I think, you know, they're really just starring in their minutes. And, you know, this is the kind of thing that you do to prove that you need more minutes. And I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing more of what we've seen from them uh, these past couple games, because, yeah, I mean, uh, just the the nightly highlight from Chemezi has been really, really fun to see. And they have loved ever since they've had Chemezi have loved to run that play where he just kind of leaks out around the end and or around the, the uh, baseline and De'Aaron throws him the lob. And it seems like every single time it works and every time it's just an absolutely crazy highlight. Uh, but somehow Mezzi didn't even have the highlight of the night the other day with his uh, his lob against San Antonio because everybody Trey. knows, yes, the bounce wizard himself, <laughs> Trey Lyles, off a pump, off a pump, which I off was a like, pump fake. Which worked. They fell pump the pump fake. Worked. You know why? Because he's been letting it fly. He's been letting that <laughs> mf fly. And now the scouting report says fly out on him. So now the pump fake works. And you see that you can't jump when Trey is driving the lane. He threw it. Who, who was even on bro? The, the, the goddamn Spurs had so many people. Dude, I'm not I gonna, was there like, was, there was at Basie? least one guy. Yeah. Charles. Bordy Jang? Oh that was, that God, was a throwback. Bro. That was a throwback. That, I was like, this guy looks like he's 45. <laughs> he looks so old. Yeah. I, I think I was, he threw oh it down God. on Bassie. Uh, Actually, I have the oh clip in front of me real quick. I can I check for two so seconds. Uh, I was so shook. It oh is on Bassy, I think it is. And then he gave him a stare after oh Bassy's right here, and he just looks at him. It was such oh a great God. clip. And Trey, Sean asked him about it post game. Sean Cunningham, and uh, the quote was, "I was just trying to be aggressive and go to the basket. Somebody just got in the way." And that is so badass, bro. I was like, okay, Trey. Okay, Trey. That was so badass, bro. I I am all about the the yeah. Trey Lyles poster. That was that was sick. Yeah. A, a great moment. Um, and he's another example with Davion and Mezzi of coach enabling and optimizing his players. Like we, right. we talked about it in the last episode. Played the clip of of Mike Brown talking about um, the pump fake thing that, that we just kind of. We're talking about there, so it, it's been great in um in that aspect. Is there anybody or anything else that you want to point out uh, with this team? Yeah, I mean, we haven't really talked about TD's thirty-one point performance, and you know just how I mean, you know, and it was just a case of him being absolutely scorched earth that night. Um, and we've seen TD have a couple nights like that since he's came here to Sacramento. But, um, you know, that's that to me just speaks to the level of depth that this team has, especially at the guard position. It really does seem like on a nightly basis, if Kevin Herter doesn't have it, you can just throw TD in there. If TD doesn't have it, it's good. Just play Malik and, and Herter all night. Like just just the amount of guard depth on this team especially specifically with those three guys is definitely something that that sticks out to me. And, you know, even shout out Delhi, who I think hasn't been phenomenal at all, but when he has played so far this season has shown kind of that, that, you know, backup quarterback steadying hand of like, I'm just going to ride the ship here and, and we we're not going to lose these minutes. 
Um, so, you know, just, yeah, general guard depth to me has been something that has stuck out. Totally. And TD's another guy that TD came out after that 30 whatever point performance against Brooklyn, just casually outscoring Kevin Durant on less shots mm-hmm. um, and, and said that, like, I think it was actually Mike that we got to talk to first coach, uh, coach Brown, who said that, like, I'm probably hard as hard on TD as anybody else. Um, of course, he mentions De'Aaron and, and the stars and that as well. But like TD is very receptive to it. That TD is telling him, like, all right, I got you. Like, stay on me, coach. And we absolutely see that. Like, I think it it was the first possession of that second quarter against yep. Brooklyn that TD totally blew a switch and coach called the timeout. Coach did one of his 15 seconds into a quarter. We played one possession. That is not how we play. We got to cut that shit out. I'm going to call a timeout and nip that in the butt. And then what uh, TD came out and, and was balling and he got the start against San Antonio um, and didn't, he, he actually played really well in those first like five minutes. I think he had like five points, two assists, a couple rebounds, and a steal. And I was like, okay, TD, TD's in a rhythm. And then he kind of did uh, honestly a little bit of typical TD. And like you expect him to be erratic. It's just how erratic is he going to be on offense? And it got a little out of hand, and they started favoring Malik. And And Coach said post game that he considered starting Malik, but he didn't want to throw off a good thing that that's going with Malik coming off the bench, which makes sense. And, and Coach said over and over, like it's about – who closes games, not starts. And the closing five right now is Fox, Monk, Herter, Barnes, and Sabonis, right? Like, is is that the best five to you? Yeah, until they figure out, you know, or I shouldn't say figure out, but until Keegan Murray, you know, earns his spot in that rotation, I think that's absolutely the uh, the best five for them to go out with. Uh, you know, and yeah, I mean, I, I really, I think Keegan's the only one who maybe one day could crack that. I, I can't see, I can't see a reason why they would need to like ever add Davion to that closing lineup. And yeah, I think maybe, he would be maybe the only situationally, one who right? Yeah. But maybe even then, like, you know, if you're going against Portland, like, is that something you would do? Someone, you know, if you're going against Simons and Lillard, right? Maybe I, I Paul think and Booker. Consider it, but. Yeah, I mean, in the end, like the team's winning games on offense, right? And you don't want to right. sacrifice your offense too much. And honestly, Davion still has a lot of work to do there. Um, but right. he's legitimately one of the best isolation defenders for his size in, in the NBA. Um, so credit due there. But yeah, you probably are are not closing with him. But I, I think that we'll see it uh, here and there. And if he performs well and can kind of start to click on offense, that that he he could start to see more more opportunity yet here as, as the year goes on. Um, what's your favorite meme with the team right now? <laughs> Beam team band-aid. Uh, what we got the mics, the coach Mike scream at yeah. media day. I really like turn the fucking jets on. That shit is really, really funny to me. Turn the uh, jets on. Oh, oh yes. Come on. Yes. Come on. Yes. Come with on. coach running. Yes. Yes. To me, like it is hilarious. Like to me, that's the most undefeated one. Like that's just, that that one hits every time. The Mike Brown scream is funny, but uh, it might have gotten memed a little too much. The Beam Team is fun for sure. There's I, there's not a lot of negative in that, but you know we're winning a lot of games right now. So once we start losing games, it might not kind of roll the same way that it is right now. The Band Aid thing is fun for now, but uh, I think. 
we we've just <laughs> we've been through enough with the band-aid uh i think it's also <laughs> going to be short-lived we'll probably forget about it uh in about a month or so the, the i'm gonna go turn the fucking stay, on the band-aid's gotta stay till he loses right yes yes I, I think keep it or maybe you just do it for the last home game and you don't take it with on the road trip like right. that would make sense to me right um but i i, I like the band-aid thing i i think it's funny and it was like organic you know and and i love right. the whole aspect of um De'Aaron saying like he's that is so hard he does that not is have a fucking cut on his face yeah and then the fact that it's De'Aaron's wife or say that's passing out <laughs> band-aids to the whole freaking stadium yeah it is hilarious and i love that dynamic uh malik admitted yesterday in post game that he no longer has a cut on his face uh which is funny but he said the fans won't let him take it off which feels right. pretty accurate at this point to be honest when they're passing it out as people walk in the door right. um the the one other thing i want to touch on before uh we we kind of just mess around for a sec is De'Aaron signing with clutch mm. um when that gets announced what's what's your initial reaction to that he wants more. I mean, it's he just wants more out of his his out of basketball career. Um, I think that this is a pretty common thing that happens with guys in the league, especially ones kind of in that, you know, trying to bust through to the top layer of, you know, the John Morant, the LaMelo ball level of, of um, popularity and, you know, um, that kind of stuff. I just think. You know, De'Aaron kind of he he signed with Nike straight out of of college. He got his kind of signature shoe, which I think was like a limited release kind of thing. Um, but besides that, you know, you don't really see too many the court, you know, adventures for De'Aaron. And you know, the the NFT thing kind of went how it went. Um, I I just kind of feel like he feels like he wants to be managed by a top tier management. And it, you know, Clutch Sports obviously has a ton of connections with LeBron James and that whole network of people and the amount of players that they represent and the high level of player that they represent. Uh, I think De'Aaron just kind of wants to be in those kind of conversations, in those circles. And uh, something tells me that that Tyrese Halliburton's uh, or the fact that De'Aaron was able. Sorry, again, this is I know this is the second time I've been on <laughs> the second time I have brought up that name unprovoked uh but i think De'Aaron seeing the kind of things that tyrese has done outside of his career and the amount of popularity that tyrese has uh while De'Aaron probably feels like he is a better player than tyrese halliburton i think uh might have a little something to do with it but that could just be me reading too much into it yeah i don't know about the tyrese comparison specifically but i think the point of it uh um, right i it, i guess yeah, that's probably more of it yeah like i mean where do you ever see De'Aaron getting like big opportunities when it comes to sponsorships or marketing? Or, yeah, marketing, like anything you know. like that, you know, like his previous agent was one of his one of his childhood friends and mm -hmm. wasn't really representing very many other people. And, and De'Aaron still doesn't have a shoe deal right now. Like that Nike deal you mentioned was a five year deal. Um, and he's been wearing Converse all year right now, but he doesn't have an, a new shoe deal. Like, how does this guy, who's one of the best players in the, one of the better players in the league, best? I'll, I'll slow down on that one a little bit. Um, <laughs> one of the better players in the league. He's on a max contract, and he deserved that contract. Um, how, how does he not get 
more publicity, you know, and, and De'Aaron seems like a guy who maybe isn't out seeking publicity or anything like that, but that's what the agency should be doing. And I, I only bring it up because like, obviously people are freaking out because clutch is so attached to LeBron and, and stars. And it's like, Oh, well, these guys are going to go to LA. Trey Lyles is on clutch by the way. Um, and that was signed big at name. the time of the big name. And that was signed at the time of the draft when Lyles was a lottery pick. Um, we'll see if that ends up changing down the line or anything. And I don't know that that's just me guessing. Um, but I mean, I think that you look at the guys that are on clutch and more often than not, they, they get big opportunities. And, and I think that, there's no reason to worry about like De'Aaron wanting to leave because of this. Um, I've been, if anything, it could be beneficial the opposite way. Who, you yes. know, if the Kings keep it's this kind of the momentum Kings. that they have right now, exactly. Guess who else is represented by clutch? I mean, Ben Simmons, <laughs> you don't want Ben Simmons at where, how he's playing right now, but uh, you know, who else? I'm, that was a terrible first example to throw out uh, LeBron James. How about that? LeBron James, the Kings could get LeBron James. Um, due to his connection with clutch sports, just th- that kind of that kind of stuff. That is a legitimate thing that happens in the NBA. Is people agents get their players on the same team? Uh, there's teams that are CAA teams. There's teams that have a you know the Lakers for when they first got LeBron signed Contavious Caldwell Pope to a huge contract. He was a clutch client. That's not a coincidence. Anthony Davis is a clutch client. LeBron is obviously a clutch client. Like these kind of things happen. And like you said, it's just going to be more and more beneficial for the Kings. Absolutely. It's good for the Kings for De'Aaron to get more publicity. It was going to happen naturally as the team got better if they continue this streak. Um, but I think this will just amplify it even more. And it's good for for the Kings in general. And I, I've been specifically told a couple times, like De'Aaron Fox wants to be a lifer in Sacramento. And obviously this is my own addition to this like that obviously you players are going to want to win games if the if the team was absolute shit uh, i think that any human being would be like okay i need to do what's best for myself but i think that if they can put together a a good team around him which seems to be happening that darren fox wants to be a lifer in sacramento and i don't think that him changing agency should should freak people out or anything like that it's actually a good thing um for the kings um any any final thoughts on that um no i mean i think i do think it's i shouldn't say it's interesting because that makes it seem like there's something nefarious but like uh, did you read anything into his mini media tour that i guess he's kind of done Uh, darren's not usually somebody who does a ton of outside media um, he has been on ESPN before in that same, I think he was on the Rachel Nichols basketball program before that. Uh, but do you think, find it any coincidence that he signs with clutch then does, I don't know the order of things, but then does the Draymond podcast. And then, uh, as he was in LA is on NBA TV. Right. I don't know the timeline. You know what I mean? Like, I don't right. know if that happened before or afterwards. Um, but I mean, definitely when I saw the clutch thing, I'm like, well, shit, he was just on Draymond's pod, you know, like, right. <laughs> um, right. so it, it, it is interesting, but I think that like that type of stuff is good. You know, like when, when Darren did right. those appearances, like it brings good PR to the Kings, especially when they're playing well, you know? So like, I, I think that that is a good thing for the Kings and I get why it freaks people out initially for like, 
things that you kind of laid out, like you look at like KCP going to the Lakers or like Lonnie Walker, I think just signed a clutch or, or maybe already was a clutch guy and he's on the Lakers now. Right. Um, so I, I get why people are worried. Right. But I, I'm just like, there's no reason to be Darren's not going anywhere. The team is performing well right now. That is the last thing that anyone needs to worry about. Um, the last thing I want to do, Chris, is I, I used to do a segment on here that I kind of let naturally die on accident. Mm. But I'm going to bring it back called right. overtime. It is always my last segment. It's not basketball related, just messing around. So my question yeah. to you right now. Yep. What video games you've been playing right now? Like that? Oh, because man. I have been playing the new COD. Yeah. I don't know if you play COD at all. And I never played Warzone. But the mm-hmm. Warzone 2 just dropped, I guess. And it's got this mm-hmm. proximity chat. If you know what I'm talking about, it is the <laughs> I've seen a lot shit. of videos, yeah. <laughs> the funniest shit. I got to get a new headset or whatever so I can actually yeah. participate in this. But it's like a throwback to these old COD <laughs> lobbies that I like grew up on. The most toxic oh, God, shit most you'll toxic ever be a shit. part of. Yeah, but fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, so I think I'm about to get into Warzone 2. I've never, I had never, I think I played like two games my whole life or whatever, right. first Warzone. But I think I'm about to about to get into that. Yeah, I have been told my roommate uh, is a big, big uh, shooter, you know, first person shooter kind of guy. Um, and I was also a huge Modern Warfare 2 player back in the day. Mm-hmm. That was really the last COD that I put hardcore hours into. Um, I have not played the new Call of Duty. I need to get my hands on it. I need to really just bite the bullet and spend that. What is it? $70 nowadays for games. God, I feel like an old man. Um, I remember, I remember when you used to buy a new 2k for $20. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I have not gotten my hands on that. Absolutely need to do that. I have not heard that they are dropping, but uh, I have seen the proximity chat videos and that shit is hilarious. Yes. Uh, I've been playing a lot of 2k. I really am. And I know you've been trying to get me to play Forza too. I, I literally cannot play that game for more than like, I can barely get out of the intro screen. I, I definitely I just re-downloaded 2K and it replaced Forza on my console. Yeah. So I, I will admit, <laughs> I saw that they dropped a Diamond De'Aaron card in my team. Like, <laughs> Did they really? Dead. I have yes. that. I was oh, like, oh geez. shit, I already know they have yeah. a Keegan one. I'm like, oh, right. this yep. might be the move. I got the Keegan one. I was playing some my team. Uh, I was grinding through that. And then I kind of realized like, oh, you can do domination as much as you want and get like the real NBA players. But then you play one game online against uh, Wilt Chamberlain and 1999 Richard Lewis. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on right now? Why is like, yeah. So uh, I am now done playing my team. I've moved on to uh, to like my GM mode with the Kings, of course. And uh, what? so when you when you hop into a a my GM, are you like? messing with the roster like right away are you hopping in yo like (laughs) so i had no fucking idea that some people some lunatics matt george (laughs) actually play like every single game like as they happen like it's like you know pretty much like a real life sim like it's like oh shit it's thursday like let me knock this this king spurs game out real i'm gonna drop 150 on kd real quick (laughs) right right like it's a like some people really do like day to day type shit on their my GM. Uh, some people also pay like a fuck ton of attention per each season. I'm a big simmer. I like I'll sim like half the season, see where we're at. Oh shit, HB sucking. Let me put TD in starting lineup. Oh shit, we went on a five game losing streak. Let me switch that back. Just like 
micromanaging throughout the season and then I'll sim through like three years, get tired of it, start a new one. There you go. So like, I, I you know, I'm, I'm very, you know, like I probably play video games like two, maybe three times a week for a couple hour spans. Uh, so like, you know, I, I just try and get as much enjoyment as I can. That's why I don't like to play like call of duty. My roommate tried to get me to play halo. It's just too much death, man. Like I'm trying to have, I barely get a lot of, <laughs> I don't know if that's too, it's too much death, man. But like, you know, it's just like, I, I, I can only play for a certain amount of hours. I'm trying to actually have a good time. That's fair enough. I, I'm very like, I play in spurts. I'll go through like two weeks where I'm playing right. a lot of video games. And I'll go through two weeks where I just like don't even touch it. And it, it doesn't right. even like cross my mind. I think I'm currently, I'm telling you, I'm I just like the tip of the iceberg of like Warzone is really interesting. And I can right. tell that I'm about to fall into it. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> right. It's about to be one of those stretches for sure. Right. Um, last thing, I guess real quick, when you do a my career, what what position are you? Are you I feel like you're a guy. Tell me if I'm wrong with this, because you've told me before, but I don't yeah. remember. Um, but I feel like you're a guy that's like the Kings need a, need a forward. So I'm gonna just fill that void. You are guilty as fuck. Huh? I just usually make multiple ones and at least one of them will be to fill a position for sure. But I do always typically have like, when I'm going to pick my team, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to go to the warriors because they have a one a two a three. Like they need a four, like they need a really five. So I should go fill in there. Uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, fuck you. Do you, do you, <laughs> you so bad. You do, no, do you uh, I only have up? one right now, and he's a power forward. Okay. Do you pick the Kings um, as your team? Up? Traditionally, no. No, I probably should, though, because they've sucked traditionally, and so it would have been a good <laughs> idea to probably just, like, up that team. But instead, I'm always, like, picking teams that, like, are good because I don't. it's just funner. I don't know. Fair enough. Just trying to wax people. Oh, Plus, like, 2Ks, the career mode sucks now, so there's no fucking point in, like, actually playing the games. It's really bad. It, it's yeah. it, it's pretty tough. Um, there used to be a point where, like, you would actually play the career because it was fun to, like, go through the career, but now it's just... Now you gotta rap all and figure out who you want to Bro, like, don't get me started on the rap. You actually have to rap now. Did you... Have you... How much of the new 2K career have you played? Not much at all. I actually never Bro, really play that much for you, but I've seen the memes. You have to go to the studio with J. Cole and like they give you four different options and you have to like rhyme the first bar with the second. Like it's it's fucking ridiculous. 2K. I remember when that shit used to be about basketball. And you said you're a power forward? I'm a power forward. Stretch so you're forward. Marvin Bagley? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, definitely not. I'm uh I don't know. I'm, I'm like I'm like Poku, honestly. Is I'm like that a great good or bad thing. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. I mean, I'm like perfect. the ideal life. <laughs> I'm bowl bowl. I mean, that's that's isn't that what every center is when yes. you play 2K? Yes. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm definitely bowl bowl is probably honestly the most accurate. Yeah. Picture of my life. Giannis was always the wildest thing to me because I always look at him and I'm like, dude, this is the guy that if I was up against in 2K, I'd fucking turn my console off right. and be pissed off at how unrealistic this is. But Giannis is right. just a real human being that does that shit. Right. Shit does uh, not make sense. No, at all. At all. Absolute cheat code. Um, last thing before we get out of here, I should have mentioned this at the top. Oh, God. My new co host. Chris yeah. Yeah. Here for the long haul. That is the plan to keep Chris on board. Um, 
yeah glad to glad to have you doing this with me man we got a really good relationship i think i get along we with do. you as as well as anybody else in king's media um which which helps a lot for for different pods obviously and, and scheduling and everything but um you've been you've been doing a lot bro you with your what, king's weekly return of the roar pre and post game um I, I feel like i'm missing something else i hop on uh post game sh- uh, like a recap show that we do on youtube every so often there you go but yeah good to have you here man um anybody I'm excited unaware with chris Watkins, which is not going to be many people but at chris <laughs> m Watkins on twitter again sackdown sports 1140 new co-host of the king's Bulls podcast so yes sir. for that hopefully these dubs keep coming in man um are you superstitious at all uh no no okay no all right just wondering. are like you it, <laughs> i'm not i'm a little stitious you know what i mean <laughs> you're not superstitious like, but you're kind yeah of yeah i'm like a if if i were in malik's shoes for example i don't think i would take right. the band off band-aid off until i lost like I'm not going out of my way to do things, but if I've done something over and over and there and then I'm winning, then I'm not gonna change it. And I'll intentionally make sure I'm not changing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say kind of stitious sounds right then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I you know, at. I think I think everybody everybody is that to a certain level, you know? You definitely don't wanna like you just don't wanna leave it up open as an excuse. Though I guess some people are almost the opposite to where it's like, oh no, I'm not going to let anything control me. And like, I'll play with fucking no bandaid. I don't know, five band-aids <laughs> on just to prove that it doesn't matter. Right. Uh, yeah. No, I, I would say that I'm probably the same as that where it's like, I mean, if something's working, if I tap a glass three times, that sounds more OCD than anything, but I don't know. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> definitely get you. Definitely get you. Well, if anybody listening has been doing something for the last five games in a row, right? Do not stop. I swear to God. Um, change it right. up. Maybe in in a couple games when they, if they do lose. Um, but keep it up. If you've been doing it's a big if specific, it's a big if. It's a big if. Um, Detroit. They, some are saying they might not ever lose again. Some. I it, people are. There, there are some. Uh, <laughs> but that's going to do it for this episode of the King's Pulse Podcast for myself and Chris Watkins of Sackdown Sports 1140. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. And definitely take a look at the King's Herald to uh, and all the great work there from myself and all the other amazing guys and gals that are a part of that. And take a look at their Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode, again, uh, uh, subscribe, rate, and review is much appreciated. And you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days.